Welcome to Glory Stories with Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn. Dr. Vaughn was one of the top eye surgeons in America and has traveled to many countries in the world preaching the Word of God. She also opened up an eye surgery center in Beijing, China, where she did free eye surgery on those in need. Dr. Vaughn will be sharing many of her personal experiences from God. In addition, you will hear of others that have known God in an intimate way and seen His miracle-working power. As you hear about how God has worked in the lives of others, our hope is that you will be changed forever. Get ready for God to heal you, deliver you, and transform your life as you sit back and enjoy these glory stories. Welcome to Glory Stories. We're going to be talking today about a giant in faith named William Branham. He was born in a little log cabin up in the mountains of Kentucky. His mother was 15 years old when he was born. And his father was a logger in the logging industry. So he was gone for long periods of time, especially in the wintertime because travel was very difficult in the wintertime in those mountains. So when, when William Branham was about a six-month-old baby, he and his mother were alone in this little cabin. And she ran out of food. She ran out of firewood because they had a huge blizzard that came in there, a big snowstorm. And once she ran out of these items, she had no one to help her, no one to get any supplies for her. And so she went out and tried to gather a few sticks, but that didn't last hardly any time. And finally, she just kind of gave up and, and, and thought, well, I'm just going to wrap my baby and I into, into the bedding that we have, and we're just going to lay down and we're just going to die because she had no other choice. So there was a, another cabin, not close at all, but at least they could see the Branham cabin, and the, and the man noticed that there was no smoke coming from, through the chimney. Well, in the middle of that snowstorm, without having any smoke means that they're not having any heat. So he watches it, and the next day there's still not any smoke from the chimney, so he gets very concerned. So he hikes over there through the snow, knocks on the door. Nobody answers because they're in the bed just on the verge of dying. And so he, he just uh, breaks into the little cabin. And he finds the mother and the baby there in the bed, very close to death. He goes to his own cabin, brings some wood over there and starts a nice fire for them, brings some food over there and feeds them. And they, they revive, both the mother and the baby, which is William Branham's the baby, they, they both revive. <clears throat> so very, at a very early age, he almost lost his life, but God, God prevailed and saved him at that time. As he grew a little older and he was seven years old, one day he was bringing water from the well into the house and he, he got tired of carrying the heavy bucket of water so he sat down under this tree and, and he heard some uh, wind kind of a sound in the leaves of the tree. There wasn't any wind anywhere else but in that particular tree there was some wind and a voice spoke to him out of that wind and it said, don't ever smoke, don't ever drink, don't ever defile your body because uh, as you grow older, God wants to use you. Well, it scared the little boy quite half to death. He ran home, just panicked, and, and his mother saw that he was shaken, and, and, and she didn't know what had happened to him. She thought, ah, she didn't know what had happened, so she just put him to bed. Well, as time went on, you know, when he got older then, he started looking at the girls, and the girls look at him. You know how that happens, and, and a girl was... All the kids at that age, they were smoking and drinking, and, and she w was trying to get him to smoke a cigarette, 
And so he wanted to impress the girl, you know, so he took the cigarette, but the minute he tried to put it to his mouth, that wind in, in the tree sound came back to him again, and he threw the cigarette down. He knew he couldn't do it because God had spoken to him saying, don't drink, don't smoke, don't do anything to defy your body. So he was, he was, he was shaken by the supernatural sign that he was getting about the wind sound in the trees. He threw the cigarette down and he went off crying and the, and the girl was calling him a sissy, a sissy. And another occasion, he was with his father and a friend of his father's and they were drinking whiskey out of a bottle and they offered it to him and he wanted to impress his father's friend and so he takes the bottle of whiskey he tries to put it to his lips, and again, he hears that sound of the wind in the tree. And he tries a second time to take a drink, and he couldn't even get it to his lips. He hears that same sound in the tree. And so he just said, no, I, I can't, I, I don't want this. I can't have this. And so his father, his very father, calls him a sissy. Well, that hurt him to the core, but on the other hand, he wasn't going to do what God told him not to do. Well, with time went by and the family moved to town and his father worked for 75 cents a day, 75 cents a day. And so they were very, very poor. He didn't even have a shirt to wear to school, but somebody, somehow he, he had an old coat that somebody had given him and it had a sailor patch on the sleeve. And so he wore that to school because he didn't have a shirt and he didn't want anybody to know he didn't have a shirt, so he wore that coat. He'd button it all up way to the top so nobody could tell he didn't have a shirt. And the teacher said to him, William, aren't you, aren't you getting, uh, don't you want to take your coat off? He says, oh, oh, no, ma'am, I'm, I'm a little chilly. So she moves him over by the stove. Here he is with his coat on, and now he's, he's sweltering, he's, he's sweating, he's, because he's way too hot with his coat on, but he wouldn't take it off. He had four brothers, and sometimes the father would take the boys into town and the man at the, the grocery store would give him some stick, stick candy and the father would break the stick candy in half and give each one of the boys half of a stick of candy. But William Branham, he would take it and suck on it for a while, then he'd put it back in the paper and put it in his pocket. Maybe a few days later he would take it out and suck on it a little bit more and put it back in his pocket. His other brothers would have already eaten theirs a long time ago, but he was making his last as long as he could. So with time, you know, he grew big enough, 17 years of age or so, 19. I think he was 19. He was really running away from God. He was trying to get away from God. And so he decided he was going to go work at, in a ranch out in, in the west somewhere. So he takes off. He goes and starts working at a ranch. It sounded romantic to him, you know, interesting, exciting to do this. But pretty soon, it was just a lot of hard work, and it became pretty mundane to him. About that time, he received a telegram from his family saying that his brother that was the closest to him had died at a young age, a teenage boy, had died at a young age. Oh, Branham was, he was so brokenhearted about it because that's the boy that was closest to him in age, and they suffered a whole lot together. Neither one of them had shirts to wear to school. Uh, at times, they didn't have enough food to eat, but they went to school anyway. Branham remembered those days in his life. He remembered a time that one of his cousins gave him a dress. She, she was a, a girl, and he was a guy, but he had a dress, so he cut the skirt off of the dress, 
and decided that he would just make the top of the dress like a shirt that he, so he could have a shirt to wear to school. And so he decided, okay, he's going to tell all the kids that it's his sailor suit. Uh, so he goes to school with this fluffy, fluffy stuff that a girl's dress would have on it. And of course, all the kids can see that this is a dress, this is a dress, a girl's dress that he's wearing without the skirt, of course. And so they laugh at him and make fun at him. And so he cries and goes home. So he remembers all of those things. He suffered those things with his brother that had just died. And he thought that Every time he tries to run away from God, which he had just tried to do when he was 19, some sort of tragedy always seems to strike him or sadness tends to strike him in his life. So he goes home to his brother's funeral and the mother then begs him, William, please stay here. Please stay with us here in this town. Don't go back west again. Stay right here. So he decides, okay, I'll stay because you're asking me to. But two years after that, he had appendicitis, and they did surgery on him. After the surgery, he got very severely ill, and, and they thought that he was going to die. And he, he did actually have a, an experience where he left his body, and he went back to that time that he was under that tree when he was seven years old, and he heard that same wind in the leaves of the tree. And the voice spoke to him, and, and, and it said, I called you, but you wouldn't go. I called you, but you wouldn't go. I called you, but you wouldn't go. He said, oh, please, please forgive me. Give me another chance. Let me, let me go back in my body. Go back on the earth again. Give me another chance. So God gave him another chance, put him back on the earth again. And so he thought, well, you know, I need, I want to get right with God. So he started seeking God. He started going to various churches, trying to find a place that had an altar call. He wanted to go down at the altar of the church and get saved is what he wanted. He couldn't find a church that had an altar call. And that's, that's a pretty pathetic situation that we see a lot in our society today, churches that don't even give altar calls. How are people going to come to Christ if you don't give them the opportunity to come to try Christ? Well, that was his situation back then too. So what he did, he just went out in a, in a barn kind of place, an old shack behind his house. And he just started seeking God there and, and telling the Lord he wanted to get right with him. And, and he, there was a light that came in the shape of a cross on the floor in that shack behind his house. And there was a voice that came, but it was speaking in another language he couldn't understand. And then it left again. And so he said, oh, please come back. Come back one more time. The light came back and again made a cross on the floor in that shack. And when, it, when, when the light came back and made that cross a second time, it was like a thousand pounds had been lifted from his soul and he felt like he had been saved. God did it even without an altar call. Even, you know, he was just a novice at this, but he was seeking God. He wanted to be saved and God did it in a supernatural way. So he was still really quite sick from having that, uh, that surgery and not recovering from it well. And so he thought, well, you know, I'm going to serve God with my life now. I've asked for a second chance. And if I'm going to be in the ministry, then I need to be well. And so he went to a church that prayed for people for healing. They anointed him with oil for healing. They prayed the prayer of faith for his healing. And God healed William Branham. So now he was saved. He was healed. But he noticed that the apostles had a power that he needed 
He didn't see many ministers or really any ministers with that power that he read about in the Bible, but he knew it was the baptism in the Holy Spirit and he wanted it. He really, really wanted it. So he started seeking God to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And about six months after that, a great light appeared to him and said to him, you, when you pray, when you pray for people to be healed, I will heal all the kind of illnesses that stand before you. I will heal them. And God baptized him in the Holy, Holy Ghost at that time. You know, the, there's a law of God that when you seek, you find. Whatever, whatever it is in the world that you seek, you're going to find it. If you, if you seek drugs, you're going to find drugs. If a guy seeks a prostitute, he's going to find a prostitute. Whatever you seek, you find. Well, Branham was seeking deeper things of God, seeking the baptism in the Holy Ghost, and so he found it. God gave it to him. Well, he, about that time, he found a, a girl that he thought was really, really special, and he really wanted to ask her to marry him, but he was really shy. He was a bashful, shy guy, and he was too embarrassed and too shy to go ask the girl to marry him. So he decided, okay, I'm going to write this girl a, a letter in the letter, I'm going to ask her if she will marry me. So he wrote this letter. He sent it to her. The next time he saw her, he was embarrassed to even ask if she had gotten the letter. But she told him she had gotten the letter. And so he asked her what was her response. And she said, uh-huh, you know, that she would agree to marry him. So he married this young girl. Pretty soon they had a little baby boy. They had a small house, a humble house. But they were in love with each other and they were so happy as a little family. Well, one day he, he went on a fishing trip, and as he was coming back from the fishing trip, he passed a river. He noticed there was a, a crowd of people down around the river, and so he was curious to see what it was. So he went down there, and someone was up there preaching about the Holy Spirit, about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, he was very interested in that, so he, he stuck around and listened to them preach, and then he decided, well, he would just sleep in his car and he'd stay until the next day and, and see what they had to say the next day. And so the next day he went back down there and he listened to some more and they found out that he was wanting to be a minister. And so finally they say to him, it's your turn. You get up here and preach. Well, he didn't want to do that. And he'd been sleeping on his pants in the night. He used his pants as a pillow and he had on some seal sucker pants and he was embarrassed to wear those in the first place, much less get up and preach with those on. But they kept insisting, insisting. So finally he said, okay. And so he got up there and as he began to preach, the spirit of the Lord fell on him and he started preaching with power and anointing. And the people were so moved and touched by what God was saying through him that by the time he finished, he had invitations to go to many, many places. Well, he was thrilled. This was his chance to go into full-time ministry and, and, and go where God was leading him. And he was very excited. And so he went home and he told his wife, all of these places want want us to come and, and minister in their churches. And, and, and so we have a chance to go now and go and be full-time ministry people for God. He was very excited. And the people around him, be careful about this. Be careful who you have around you. <laughs> because the people around you can say things that will alter the course of your life. You better be careful. The people around him started saying, 
Oh, William, you can't, you better not do that. You don't have any money. You won't make any money doing that. And your, 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 your children and your wife, they're going to starve. And, you know, you don't have, your car's not good. And you won't, and they told him every discouraging thing that they could think of. They said, you better stay here where you have a little house and you know that you're safe here. And, you know, they, they totally discouraged him. So he turned his back on that ministry opportunity that God had given him. And he stayed there. Well, it was a fateful decision on his part because in 1937, there were torrential rains in that area where he lived and the river was rising and coming into people's homes. And so he volunteered to go out and try to rescue people from their homes. And while he was out rescuing people, his wife and his two babies were very, very sick at home. And somebody came and got them and, and they, he didn't know where they took them. He went back to check on his family, and they were gone. And he found out that, that they had been put on a train to go to some other town. People weren't real sure where. And so he was kind of panic-stricken. Where, where is his family? He knew his wife was sick. He knew his babies were sick. He had two babies, a boy and a girl. And they were sick, and he knew that. And so he's desperate to find his family. Finally, he tracked down where they went, where they went, and so he went to where they were. And by this time, his wife and his little baby girl were very close to death's door. And nothing could be done for them at this point. It wasn't long after that that both the mother and the baby died. The baby got tuberculosis from the mother, and they both died right close to the same time. So it's a very sad thing, but they, they buried the baby in the mother's arms and buried the two of them together. So... His heart was greatly sat, saddened by this, but he knew that every time he didn't answer the call of God, see, he had shut the door on the opportunity God had given him to minister. And every time he didn't answer the call of God, something tragic seemed to happen in his life. He was actually opening the door to Satan to come in and do something bad in his family's life. So he was very sad about that. A while later, he had a dream one night and in his dream, he went to heaven, and he saw this young, beautiful girl with long, blonde hair, blue eyes, and she said, Hello, Daddy. This is his dream in heaven. Hello, Daddy. He said, Daddy? He said, Who are you? He said, I, she said to him, I, I'm, your, I'm your little daughter, and she called it herself by name, the one that had died in her mother's arms. I'm your little daughter, and in heaven, she had grown up to be a beautiful young woman. And so she took him to his house, his future house. His wife was there. It was such a beautiful little house, and, and everything in there was just the way he, he had dreamed that a house could be. And there was a, a, a lounge chair there in that house that was a special lounge chair that he always wanted this chair on earth. And at one time, they went down and they, they tried to buy this. They had to buy it on time you know, pay a little bit every month to be able to keep this chair. I think they call it a Morris chair. And, and so he had it in his home for a while, but he couldn't keep up the payments on it. There were more money than he had. And so the people came and repossessed that Morris chair. But in heaven, he had his own beautiful Morris chair. And so he, God was kind to give him a glimpse of his family in heaven that would be there for him when it was his time to go there. He later on married... A, a, another woman and, and had another, another family, started another family with her. So 
he was now a game warden. He became a game warden. He still wasn't doing what God wanted him to. He became a game warden. And at one day he was walking around the side of something and under a big tree, this big wind and this big noise that he'd been hearing all these years, this wind noise in the leaves of the trees came in a very strong way. And he decided right then and there, he said, I- I've, been, I've been listening to this for 29 years. I don't know what it, what it is all about. He said, I'm going to find out what this is about. So he took himself to a secret, he calls it a secret place, and he began to seek God day and night. What is this about? What is this about? One night, a bright light came into his room, into this secret place, a bright light, and he heard footsteps coming in. And the footsteps got closer, and a man was there. He was an angel. He was sent from God. He was an angel. And obviously... Branham was very repentant at this time that he hadn't followed God and he had asked God to forgive him for not following him like he should have and to give him another chance. And this angel came. He said, I'm here from the throne of God to tell you that you're called to a healing ministry for the world. And he said, God is going to give you two signs. One sign is going to be some, a vibration that will happen in your left hand. And God will show you the illness of the person standing in front of you. The second sign he's going to give you is that you'll know the thoughts of that person and the previous deeds of that person. And even if they're living in sin, he's going to reveal that to you. But if they've asked God to forgive their sins and it's under the blood of Jesus, he won't reveal any previous sins because they don't even exist anymore. But he will give you that as a second sign. These signs are to build the faith of the people that you're going to be ministering to. So that when, when if he said, you need to do two things. You need to, number one, make them believe that God's going to heal them, to have faith to believe that God's going to heal them. And these two signs will give the people faith to believe that God will heal them. And the second thing you need to do is to pray very sincere prayers to God. And if you will do these two things, pray sincere prayers and build their faith so that they'll believe. He said, no sickness or disease will be able to stand in front of you. Amazing. Awesome. Now he knew, after 29 years of waiting, he finally knew what God wanted to do through his life all along, but he just wouldn't yield to it. So these kinds of things started happening. He started... He, he's, and, I, and I've seen actual videotapes of this myself. I have videotapes of William Branham ministering in large tent revivals in places around the world. And one, one, I remember one man came up, and these, these are total strangers. He didn't know any of these people. He didn't know anything about, him, about them. Nobody told him anything. They were total and absolute strangers. One man came up in front of him in a healing line, The Lord showed Branham that the man had cancer of the mouth and of the cheek. So he revealed that. He said, you have cancer of the mouth and of the cheek. The man said, yes. Well, he, I mean, he's amazed that Branham now knows what his problem is. And secondly, he said, Branham, the second gift went into operation. The second sign or gift, if you want, whichever. He said, you're from Richmond, Virginia. Well, that was even a different state from where he was. And so the man's faith was built because Branham knew these things about him. 
the man's faith was built, and through the faith of the man and Brenham praying a very sincere prayer to God, the man's cancer was totally healed. I saw a woman come in front of him, and he just stands in front of Brenham. And Brenham says, ma'am, you have heart disease, and you have a cancer of your left breast. He saw a black cloud of death like around this woman. Well, that obviously increased her faith to hear that. But he still saw this black cloud around her. So the second gift went into operation. I saw William Branham stand there, tell the woman her first name, her last name, the street she lived on, the number of the house that she lived in, the city and state that she lived in. He told her all of those things to a total stranger by the power of God. Well, by this time, her faith is sky high. He's told her all these things about her personal life. Her faith is high to receive from God. And so the prayer of faith was issued. The woman was totally healed of all of her death-like disease that she had. Another time, a woman brought a small child in front of him, a young girl, I guess about six years old, and Branham said, he said to the woman, he said, you have a lot of nervous condition, but it's because you're so worried about this, this girl as your daughter. And he says, your daughter has leukemia. And he said, she's been to all kinds of doctors, and they've told her that there's no hope for her, that she's going to die. But Branham says, God's going to heal, heal your daughter. And he told the woman the name of the city and the name of the state where they were from. And her, her faith was raised because he knew the disease. He knew where they came from. And Branham takes authority. He says, Satan, I bind you away from this girl. You leave her in the name of Jesus. And the cancer left the girl, and she was healed. I want to point out something to you. Branham is attributing this disease, in fact, all of the diseases, to demon powers. If you remember, Wigglesworth said he believed all, all sickness and disease was from the demonic. So I want you to get one thing straight in your mind. There's four words I'd like you to remember. God, good. Devil, bad. I want you to remember that never does God put disease on you if you have disease or sickness, illness, that's from the devil. It's from hell. You don't want it. You don't need it. You don't have to keep it. You can get rid of it by the name of Jesus. And I want you to know God never would put that on you. The Bible clearly tells us that Jesus took stripes on his body specifically so that we would be healed. What sense does it make? For him to take stripes on his body for us to be healed and turn right around and make us sick. Does that make any sense at all? Of course not. The person making you sick is from hell. The person is demons. The demons from hell, Satan from hell is making you sick. Not God. God loves you. God wants you well and strong and healthy. So I'd like for you the rest of your life to remember those four words and you pass them on to other people because a lot of people say, oh, God made me sick. God punished me. God's trying to teach me a lesson by making me sick. No, 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 no. That's not true. God did not do that to you. The devil did that to you. So you remember these four words, God, good, devil, bad. And so if you have trouble sorting out what's happening in your life or someone else's life, 
You just remember those four words. And if it's something bad and horrible in their life, you know where it came from. Devil is bad. If it's something good and wonderful, you know where that came from. God is good. It's very simple to sort life out if you'll remember those four words. And I encourage you to pass those words on to other people because a lot of people have misconceptions and you can help to get rid of those misconceptions. Actually, you can help them to be healed by telling them you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. That's what the Bible says. That's what we believe. And that's going to be so in your life. We hope that you enjoyed these stories of the glory of God. We believe that each story we tell will help build your faith and help to bring a miracle into your life. For more information about this program and Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn, visit her website at godsinstrument.com, her YouTube channel at Glory Stories Now, or write her at Elizabeth Vaughn Ministries Incorporated, P.O. Box 454, Argyle, Texas, 76226, USA.